Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, podcast number 15. Jacqueline Francis here with my special guest, Pamela Haynes. And we're talking about unhealthy relationships. Actually, Pamela works with survivors of domestic abuse and she shares her experiences. So please do share <laughs> and comments. I'm anticipating technical difficulties. So Why? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good thing. Of course, of course. Oh, my throat's gone a bit dry. Yes, so as I was saying, um, my name is Jacqueline Francis. Pamela is here joining me today on my first broadcast on my business page, Jacqueline Author Francis. So, um, Pamela, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, okay. Well, Happy New Year to you and to your um, audience as well. Um, My name is Pamela Haynes. Um, author of Loving the Brothers. Um, what do you need to know about me? I grew up in um, Canning Town to um, Barbadian parents. Um, I am one of um, five siblings. I'm the eldest. Um, I went to local schools um, and um, left during the 1980s thinking I was going to be one of Maggie's millions. Um, but I, I actually ended up with two um, jobs. Well, um, the first one was with the Crown Prosecution Service, and I worked there for five years before literally crossing the road to join the probation service. I felt that when I was working for the CPS, I felt part of the problem, not part of the solution. So um, I wanted to be more on the, the side of stopping reoffending. So I joined the probation service um, okay. um, up, up until a few weeks ago. Um, I managed to clock up 31 years um, in um, civil service, and I'm happy to say that um, I'm taking a break now. <laughs> wow, 31 years! Oh my gosh! I know. I, I, oh less I mean, I've been a civil yeah. servant myself, but I, I didn't clock up as, as many years as you did. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, so let's just get started. So today we're going to be talking about um, for the. Well, we're going to be talking about domestic abuse. Um, I'm an advocate for healthy relationships. Um, I have written yeah. a, like a crime story to educate um, people reading it to give them some sort of awareness yeah. as to things that they should check in their relationships. Um, so you said that you work with women of um, domestic abuse as well. Is that correct? I work with women and I have worked with men as well. I've worked with the perpetrators and I've worked with the victims of domestic abuse. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's just start with the women then. Um, so how did that come about? How did it come about that you're working with women of domestic abuse? Well, it's, it's through my, my role um, as a senior probation officer. Um, we were experimenting with working differently. So we had a cohort where women probation officers offer services to female um, offenders. So we worked quite closely with Holloway Prison when it was open and a few of the female well, women's prisons um, locally. And um, you know, the job of my team was to help those women transition from being in a custodial setting to um, uh, being rehabilitated in the community. And what we found very often that a lot of those women who were incarcerated were also victims of domestic abuse or had witnessed it when they were growing up. So that's how it really started. Yeah. Right. Okay. So are you able to share some of the stories um, 
you know, of the type of abuse that they've experienced? Are you able to share any of that? Um, yeah, I mean, if you, um, you know, if your viewers want to look at the um, cycle of abuse, you can Google it on um, on Google, and you'll see that domestic abuse is not just physical abuse; it's mm. financial abuse, it's emotional abuse, it's psychological abuse, you know, um, use of male privilege, and at some stage, one in three women will experience domestic abuse in her lifetime. So we were talking about, you know, a, a major group of women who've experienced abuse in some way. I think for me, by far the worst would be when um, a woman's um, partner threw a hot kettle of um, um, boiling water over her. And that was a very hard thing to actually to see. And she still wanted to be with him. Um, she said he did it because he loved her. And as far as I'm concerned, love is not supposed to hurt in that way. So that, that by far, I would say, would be the biggest, you know, the most shocking one to see someone with, um, you know, burns all over her, all over her body. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people, I guess society would think that um, because they, they call it domestic violence and that, because of the word domestic, that it will just take place in the home, but that's not necessarily the case. Mm. And I think also the fact that the word domestic violence, one assumes that it's just physical. But as you mentioned, there are different types, which they now call coercive control. So can you just recap again on those types? Because I know I think there are eight of them, if I, I believe correctly. Um, so how can they manifest themselves? So economic abuse how does that manifest itself um economic abuse um it's like a spectrum so at one end of the spectrum the man um, um absolves all responsibility gives it all to the woman and um then he can blame her when things don't go wrong so when things go wrong so he, that, that's one side of it the other side of it is where the woman doesn't have control over her own money um her salary is paid into his account um he has um all say over the finances and very often he abuses those finances as well so um you know i've heard of women not even having a bank account um so they can't make any they don't know how things happen you know sometimes the first time that they know that things have gone wrong is when bailiffs are at the door or there are um loans taken out in their in their in their name like payday loans and things like that so lots of the major financial responsibilities um she is completely oblivious to and unaware of it i think the worst case i heard would be um, a family that was put out on the street less than two hours notice. Um, the husband knew all along that this was going down this line, um, had not paid the rent, and it ended up being with the family being evicted. But the woman was completely out of the, the picture, um, not knowing what was going on until it was too late. And that's quite common. So that's an example of economic abuse. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Did you want me to continue? Yeah, I hope that. Um, no, no, it's just that you cut out a little bit there. And I just hope that our viewers were able to hear that. So for those of you, some people have just jumped on. So um, uh, Moji, thank you very much. Sean, thank you very much for joining us. And Marcia, thank you so much for joining us as well. So if we just um, recap, my name is Jacqueline Francis and um, I've got my guest here, Pamela. And she's just sharing some of her. I mean, we're both, you know, advocates for healthy relationships. And she's. Um, Pamela's just sharing some of her experiences and some of the stories of um, domestic abuse. 
and more importantly, coercive, coercive control, because um, coercive control is now new to to, to, to society. That's um, right. And you also, yeah, because, um, and you were just explaining some of the issues, some of the points um, contained in coercive control and just explaining what economic abuse is. There's another one, um, which was it, uh, emotional abuse. So how does that manifest itself? Um, any behaviour, really. Any behaviour, really, where the woman is not elevated, but constantly pulled down. So the use of isolation, for example. So you maybe move out of the area or you start questioning her friends and whether they're any good for her or not. Um, so it's a range of behaviours. Um, you know, you tell, you tell the woman that she can't have contact with certain family members. Um, and this is outlined in um, Melanie Brown's book, Brutally Honest, as well, where she talks about some of the isolating behavior that impacts on someone's mental health, really, and their emotional. You know, so you tell them that they're not a good mother, you know, you criticize them physically. Um, so it's a range of behaviors that, um, you know, that some men can in, um, indulge in, which puts the woman down. It doesn't elevate her, it's designed to pull her down. And to make her feel bad about herself. Right. So, I mean, you talked about, I mean, all that is contained in the power and control wheel, isn't it? Yeah. So what do you think, what do you think are some of the reasons why, I mean, we're not saying that this is, that men are always the perpetrators, but I guess nine times out of 10 that they are. So yeah. for the purpose of this interview, we'll refer to the abuser as male. So why do you yeah. think men do that? Why why do you think that they need that power and control? What is it that, you know, gives well, them to I mean, that? I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of um, underlining and underpinning all of these behaviours is about power and control, most, most definitely. And I suppose it's a $64 million question as to why those behaviours occur. Um, you know, there is not one size that fits all. But what we do know is that um, mm. quite a few of these yeah. men would have witnessed domestic abuse when they were growing up um so in their formative years and research suggests that when a woman is being um abused uh, very often her children are in the same room or in the next room um when abuse is taken when when violence is taking place so yeah. if you have learned you know it's learned behavior and if you have learned that you get your own way when you behave like that then some men think that it's okay then to behave like that in their in their relationships in their intimate relationships so um, some men don't have any other tools of how they um you know are supposed to perform and behave um in a relationship except for what they have witnessed I guess nine times out of ten, um, you know, the parents, when they're arguing and, and things like that, they think that the kids are sleeping or gone to bed or something like that. But as you said, that they may be in the next room. Um, but it, but do you think it necessarily stems from seeing their parent being abused? Could they have been a victim themselves and, you know, later on in life, you know, they, they become the abuser? I agree with you, you know, um, domestic abuse and child abuse, you know, go hand in hand. You know, if the man is lashing out at the woman, then um, there's a strong possibility that he's also lashing out at, um, with his children too, or at least they fear that violence may happen. 
You know, um, mm-hmm. I've been in a situation where I've done a home visit and um, everything was pleasant, everything was nice. And when the man came home, the atmosphere in the room changed. Now, when you're a child, you're, you're a kid, you know, you can tune into those kinds of vibes in the home. You know, there's, you know, there's also evidence that suggests that, you know, even an unborn child can pick up vibrations, you know, raise voices, the mother being stressed out and tense from the womb. And that can impact on, um, you know, low birth rates, um, slow to reach um, uh, developmental stages um, in their formative years and so on. So it, it impacts, in my opinion, on children from the womb onwards. Right. Wow. I mean, I don't know if you um, saw recently in the news um, two boys, two sons whose father had a, had been abusing them as children and the mother and the sister. And he turned around and shot the mother and the daughter. And as you say, everything at home was fine. They were quite children. They just got on with it. But obviously they were being emotionally abused or psychologically abused by their father. And at school, the teachers just thought that they were quite children. They sat, they did as they were told. But that was simply because yeah. they did as they were yeah. told when they were at home. Um, yeah. So it can lead to devastating effects when the partner decides to leave because one will say one says you shouldn't ask why they stay do you know what I mean because if they leave what happens it's it's worse when they decide to leave isn't it I mean there's there's multiple reasons why people stay in relationships again coming back to economic abuse if you have no access to funds how are you supposed to get away if english is not your first language and you've never been encouraged to take classes you know i remember a case where um you know a man said you know of course i'll let my wife study but she'll have to take all of the children with her well how is that going to happen yeah so unless there are yeah, crashes yeah. in place, so he's saying he's supportive, but he's not creating the conditions for her to be able to learn to speak English. How is she supposed to communicate that to um, other people to let them know what she's going through? So she may be visiting the doctors, mm-hmm. she may be visiting the health, you know, uh, you know, she may have a health visitor, but if she's unable to tell them what's going on, where do people begin to begin to start in terms of trying yeah, to get absolutely. help? Yeah, that the abuser will make out that they are trying to help them, but they they do actually put barriers in the way um, in order for them not to succeed. Um, so, as a society, as men in society, what should men be doing to telling their sons or their nephews or you know what should the men be doing? Because I, I, I say this simply because sorry, I say this simply because I remember reading an article by. Um, um, Serena Williams, now she has a daughter, so I guess she's more in tune as to what's going on around her. So she's advocating that boys should be taught, you know, about healthy relationships and things like that. So what's your take on that? I mean, absolutely. I think that by the time they get to the probation service, it's already too late. The men already have um, convictions. They're already going through, um, you know, some kind of group um, therapy. And, um, you know, it's all come a bit too late. You know, they're now on their second or third or fourth partner. So I strongly believe that it starts, you know, from their formative years. It starts, um, you know, by leading by example. And that could be a male friend. It could be, um, you know, a young adult. 
It could be, um, you know, a male teacher. Um, but um, I definitely believe that it starts from, you know, it, the, the earlier, the sooner we start modelling what good behaviour looks like, the more chances we have of turning turning out, you know, really good men. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, because I think we don't want to be a culture to take this as, a, as the norm, because it's not the norm. If there is an right. epidemic now in terms of the rise of, you know, domestic abuse, now, you know, who's to say when our children have children, what would it be like then if we continue to treat it as the norm? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? 100% agree with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in schools, um, they say, well, I guess they do teach um, relationships and sex education in schools. But I, I wonder if, if it goes far enough. I, I would like someone to come on to explain that to me, whether it goes far enough. Um, because the class that it's actually taught in, the PSHE class, I, I mean, I'm a former teacher myself, and I know that in those classes, <laughs> I know that in those classes, they, they think it's a free class. They can do anything that they want to do. How much actually, how much um, um, education actually goes on with, with that? And I think a lot of young people are probably embarrassed to talk about relationships and things that are happening. And, you know. But it's so, it's so necessary. Because in my experience, the number of young women and young men that are putting up with things in relate for the sake of having a relationship, which is just not acceptable. You know, uh, you're not just dating the guy; you're dating all of his mates as well. You know, you're being abused. You know, um, and they accept that simply because they don't know what a healthy relationship looks looks like shouldn't we be teaching what a healthy relationship looks like because opposite to the power and control wheel is the equality wheel and the equality wheel tells you what your relationship should look like the trust and the respect and so forth and how you should be treated and responsibility um for both partners so um you know maybe they haven't been taught what a healthy relationship looks like. Maybe they've seen their parents and how they interact with each other and think that it's okay. I mean, I know that I interviewed a young lady who um, was the boyfriend, uh, well, the boyfriend abused her, but he was, it was peer pressure um, by his mates. They were pillow fighting and each, uh, each pillow fight, it sort of like got a bit intense until it sort of like escalated and right, started right. Um, ended up abusing her. Do you know what I mean? And that was because yeah. his mates were egging her on, egging him on. I mean, right, right. yeah. I mean, uh, by far, I do think the best challenge comes from men themselves. You know, we can sit and talk as women about domestic abuse, but we do need more men stepping up into those roles, doing more mm. training going into schools and sitting with young men to talk about what the issues um, uh, issues are. I just think that um, so much pressure is put on young adults to become, um, you know, to rush through their childhood so quickly um, and become, you know, you know, highly sexualized and enter into relationships before they have a chance to even know themselves and um, to get to know well, themselves yeah. or to complete their yeah, education absolutely. and to feel sexualized. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, as you mentioned before, the idea of being in a relationship, do you know what I mean? Not taking yeah. that time out to know who they are and, and what they're about and what they want. Um, you know, where can they aspire to, you know? So it's, it's, it's really quite challenging. Um, if there's anyone watching or on the replay, um, yeah. what type of advice would you give to them if they, if, 
I mean, they may not even know because I've spoken to women who, who were married and didn't even know that their relationship was abusive. How can we, how can we, I don't know, how can we that be translated? What can we be doing? Well, okay. I mean, I always use the word domestic abuse because yes, when you use the word right. domestic violence, women say, well, he's not beating me up. So, um, you know, I'm not a victim. But I was yes. recently contacted by a young woman. And when she told me her story, there was no physical abuse. But what she was experiencing was definitely domestic abuse. So I think we need to be clear about uh, when we're talking about domestic abuse, what domestic abuse is. I mean, I suppose I'm on here to really tell women that domestic abuse is not acceptable. And if your relationship is not elevating you, but pulling you down, then it's, an, it's a toxic relationship that needs to mm -hmm. end. And any woman experiencing domestic abuse, um, I will strongly encourage them to call the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. I can give out mm -hmm. the number 0808 2000 247. And this yeah, line is free. Yeah, mm, it's yeah. free. And it's also, um, it, you know, it's, it's open um, 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year so that women can get um, uh, can get help. I have come across a number of women who have been able to leave relationships, toxic relationships, and move on and, um, you know, retrain, become educated, become qualified, buy their own homes, travel, and be in happy um, relationships as well. So there is light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah. there is life after oh, domestic abuse. Yeah. Yes, and, so and I think, as you said, you know, I was just about to say that, because some people think that there isn't, do you know what I mean? And as you know, working in that industry, that could be the worst time to, to leave, you know, because you think you've left and, um, you know, your perpetrator saying, well, look, you know, if I can't have you, then nobody else will. So the alternative is, to, you know, to get rid of you. And it's interestingly enough, even yesterday, I think it was yesterday on the, on the news, um, you know, that story that happened, was it last year or the year before, where the lady's husband came to a place of work in the hairdressers and shot her. Do you know what I mean? Because she had left, you know. So, um, you know, Pamela has I given the... You know, don't, yeah. don't announce that you're leaving. The day you decide that you want to leave, just leave. You know, yeah. cut off all social media. You know, cut off all ways of them being able to contact you. Um, because, um, you know, that is the most riskiest time for women. And what we know from what we know already is that each week, two women are killed by their former or their current partner. But it's an epidemic. And people, women shouldn't be saying, you know, I'm leaving you, you know, tomorrow. Because, you, you know, tomorrow may not come for you um, if the man yeah. is vicious enough. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I just want to read a couple of comments. So we're busy chatting away and I have forgotten completely about the comments. Um, uh, Sean says some lack self-confidence as well. I presume he's talking about the men that lack self-confidence. And it, um, Sean says it goes both way, Pam. Um, yeah. And some men are suffering and some men are suffering too. So, yes, we are aware that um, because yeah. they say, well, they say one in one in four women, one in six men. Um, but we know that to be a much higher figure than that. Um, yeah. And that, yes, men yeah. are, can be victims of um, domestic abuse as well. So you say you work with men as well. So what's how in what capacity? The same capacity as women, I take it. 
No, no, no. The, um, when I work with men, I'm working with perpetrators of domestic abuse. Oh, and I accept, you know, I accept the stat that I know is one in four women, one in 10 men experience domestic abuse. Um, so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but because um, my area of expertise is about dealing with with, um, with women, and um, my book that I have wrote is also about women who are victims of domestic abuse. That's what I decided will be the focus of uh, my work. But I, I strongly accept that it happens in same-sex relationships. It happens elder elder abuse, child abuse. Um, you you name it, it happens. But I have chosen to focus my efforts on addressing um, domestic abuse where the males are the perpetrators. I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. We we welcome that. So just to, just to put it out there, guys, we know that there are men yeah. who are affected as well. Um. So yeah. So is there any um? Oh, time has got gone by quite quickly. So is there any lasting words that you may want to leave? Do put the link, the telephone number as well. And um, if anyone wants to um get a copy of your book, you say it's related to de- yeah. domestic abuse. But do put the link in as well. Is there any lasting words? For anyone that may catch us on the replay? Yeah, just to, just to say, you know, I want to challenge women to become sister friends to other women. So if you suspect, you know, one of your girlfriends have fallen out of touch, she may have moved area, you don't hear from her as regularly as you normally do, just reach out to that woman and be persistent. You know, I used to go to, um, you know, a colleague's house all the time, and it wasn't until the relationship had ended and she'd moved away that she told me that he never, ever liked me because I was consistent. You know, I always kept in touch with her regardless of what's going on. Yeah. yeah, and that's the point, and that's the point where they try to isolate you, isn't it? Yeah, and you may, oh, and you may also, as a friend, think, well, look, she's got a boyfriend now, you know, um, you know, just leave her to, or she has less yeah. time for you. And as you said, because you were persistent, the fact that he, he turned out that he didn't like you, um, because he tried to keep her all to himself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would also challenge men, you know, men like Sean, who has called in to say, you know. Um, be the example um, amongst your peers as well. So um, challenge men who talk geography about their women, yeah, or how many baby mothers that they have. You know, it's not a good. It's not. Um, it's not anything positive. But you know, when you see women who look like they're being harassed on the street, you know, intervene. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you know, at, at the end of the day, you could be saving someone's lives. So I'm challenging men and women to reach out in whatever way that they can do and do that safely. I mean, how would they feel? I know I keep going on, but how would they feel if it was their, their, their mother, their sister, their their niece, do you know what I mean, being treated that, that way? They wouldn't like it. So why would you do it to somebody else's child? Um, do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Absolutely. So, you know, so very think- much perpetrators of domestic abuse have very strong views about other men who behave like that. Yet they know that they're doing you know, the same behaviours as well. So by far, in my opinion, the best challenge around domestic abuse comes from other men. So, um, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, but the best challenge comes from other men as well. And that's what I liked about the domestic abuse programme is that someone who'd been on the programme for eight months would challenge um, another man who'd been on the programme for two weeks. And that's where you start seeing change happen. And uh, my job was to facilitate and create that um, that um, dynamic in the room where men could talk freely about the issues. 
Right, absolutely. And we have to do it for, you know, our, our children, our great-grandchildren, do, do you know what I mean, for the next generation, so that this is not treated as the norm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, absolutely. yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up now. Thank you very much, Pamela, for joining me and those who came on um, to join us as well. Please do like, please do like, share and comment as well if you haven't done so already. And um, yeah, that's it. Until next time, guys. Thank you so much, Pamela, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was my interview with Pamela. She works both with victims of domestic abuse and also the perpetrators. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye.